Welcome to In the Arena, a show where entrepreneurs and leaders take us behind the headlines and into the biggest crises of their careers and lives and how they made it to the other side. I'm Jesse Janae, a startup founder and your host. You've probably heard of OkCupid, Tinder, Hinge, Plenty of Fish. What they all have in common aside from helping people meet is that they're all owned by Match Group. Today on In the Arena, we have Sam Yegan, co-founder of OkCupid and ultimately CEO of Match Group through its rapid growth and IPO. Sam's trajectory from startup founder to CEO of a public company is remarkable. He helps demystify M&A by giving raw details about OkCupid's acquisition. Because now it's starting to dawn on me, wait, wait a minute. I was like, wait, that's all it took to get a term sheet? If we had signed that deal on that Friday, it would have been like negligent on my part to have not, I would have like had to fire myself. And gives us a lens on co-founder relationships through the extreme ups and downs of that process. We had a meeting in January because we were all like, hey, this isn't working. And uh, we had an offsite at our lawyer's office. Note to listeners, do not have offsites at your lawyer's I've office. I've never like, heard of that. No, it's a terrible idea. That sounds supremely unfun. For me, it was Sam's honesty about the fact that a single phone call, our meeting, can dramatically change a company's fate that really struck me. And of course, the stories that go along with those revelations are pretty memorable too. I took a call with Greg when he said words that are infamous to my, to my co-founders. He was so mad at me. He said, I can't see. I have flames in my eyelids. I'm joined today by co-host Ryan Caldbeck who founded CircleUp and is tech Twitter famous for opening up about founder mental health. Was anything running to your head about, this guy just screamed at me for an hour. What is the premium that I need to be paid to go work for this guy? Let's jump in. All right, so Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you with us. Thank you for having me. You are the founder, co-founder, CEO of OkCupid. Uh, we, we all know that you go on to get acquired by Match and you have a significant role there, but we want to drop in right before that reality that we know occurs becomes real. We want to start right before you make the decision to actually sell OkCupid. There's a day, and you know much more about this day than us, where you're about to sign a term sheet to sell your company, to be acquired. Can you help us bring that day to life? Selling a company is just a huge deal. And we're gonna dissect that more, but what's going on in your life that day? <laughs> Where are you? Uh, what are you thinking about when you're about to sign that term sheet uh, for OkCupid? We're in uh, November of 2010. Um... OkCupid is based in Manhattan. I'm living in Chicago at this time, uh, commuting back and forth. Uh, this was, you know, pre uh, pre Zoom days when you didn't have to, you know, geography didn't matter, uh, very much mattered. And you know, selling a company. One of the many things about selling a company is it's something you just don't do very often in your life, and yet it's very high stakes. And so I had had the good fortune of selling a company called Sparknotes prior to this, but this was still only the second time I had ever been involved in selling a company. And um, we can later get into why we were even trying to sell the company, but um, we had been, I, I had been running a process for, on behalf of my co-founders and the company to try to get acquired. And 
if you go back to the online dating industry back in you know 2010 really match is the company is is the is the 800 pound gorilla it's the highest mm -hmm. profile company that you want the only other real companies around at that time are eHarmony which mm -hmm. was a private company not that not that not that big um, and a company called Spark Networks that owned JDate and uh, Christian Mingle and a few other assets like that. That was really the extent of the online dating industry. There weren't all these players. Um, and so we had a pretty limited pool of, of suitors that we could go after. And I had been, of course, wanted to sell the company to match. That was my goal uh, for, uh, that was where I wanted my baby to end up, um, our baby to end up. And I had really struggled to get into that organization, to get to the right people and to really tell the story in a productive way. Uh, but had had a lot of success with the other two companies um, that um, that were in the industry and, and in fact had um, interest from both of them to uh, acquire the business. And in fact, uh, one had submitted a term sheet. Mm -hmm. And the way these term sheets work is there's usually a deadline uh, by which the company says, okay, you, this term sheet is valid until X date. And by X date, you need to sign the term sheet and agree to be acquired or the term sheet just expires. And that this day that we're talking about this Friday in November was this day of the expiration of the term sheet. And in retrospect, for the life of me, I don't know why I thought having a meeting with Match on that same day had any chance of being successful. I mean, in retrospect, if I had a founder tell me, oh, I have a term sheet due today, uh, but I don't worry, I have a meeting with another acquirer four hours earlier, I would <laughs> laugh at that founder. I would be like, that totally. is insane. Um, but sure enough, and our office was on 39th Street and the, the match office was on 18th Street, if you know your Manhattan geography at all. So uh, I dutifully you know, went down there and I was convinced. I had my argument. I, was, I finally had the CEO I was, I was just going to sell the dream and it was all going to be great. And I mean, if I rank like the worst 10 meetings of my life, that meeting is in the worst 10 meetings of my life. I mean, from the moment the meeting started, we just got off on, on, on right, a bad foot. It was awkward. There was yelling, not by me, at me at various points in the meeting. Uh, I mean, it, whatever you could possibly imagine However badly you could possibly imagine a meeting going, this went that bad or worse. This is the meeting with Match. With the CEO of Match. Okay. Yeah. okay. This was your first, was this, was this your first meeting with the CEO? No, I, I had had previous meetings there. Again, I'd been really trying to run a process really since the beginning of that year for the better part of 2010. And so I had been in there before. I had met the CEO before. Um, but I was really trying to drive them toward, you know, a I was really trying, you know, we had had the preliminary conversation, but we were at the point now where I was hoping they would be ready to submit a term sheet. So I wasn't there just yeah. for the first time. I mean, this is probably my- Why did it turn into screaming? Like, how did it get off on the wrong foot? Um, well, the, the person who was the CEO of, of Match at the time uh, is notorious for screaming. So uh, it, it was very, it's very easy to get there with this individual um, who's now a very good friend of mine. Um, but um, he had, he, they were unhappy with some of the things we were blogging about. Um, mm -hmm. we, had, we had written some blogs that were not particularly flattering of the incumbents in the space. We had done some things with the product that he didn't like. And so um, he was just generally sharing his displeasure with our, with our strategy and with our business. Mm -hmm. As much as he liked the business, he just didn't like what we were doing. And, and do you walk into that meeting feeling kind of confident, like, I'm going to tell this person I have a term sheet? It's like kind of like, uh, do you feel confident about that? Like you've got kind of like yeah, parts... Like 
Yeah. I, I had a game plan. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to tell them, you know, th this is the day that the, we've, we've got the term sheet and you know, they need to move. Um, and the meeting went so poorly. I didn't even tell them I had a term sheet. The hour went by oh. and I couldn't even get those words because the, the dynamics were such that it would have reeked of like desperation or, yeah. or it just, it just wasn't right. Or at least to me, I couldn't get the words out because it just, I was on defense the whole time. It was a con confrontational, combative meeting. And I was like, what am I going to say after that lovely 45 minutes of yelling? Hey, would you like to really cement that, you know, that love affair with a, you know, with a term sheet? Like I just couldn't find the word. And so the hour comes and goes and I leave. And I normally would take a cab, uh, but I walked up the West Side Highway, uh, 21 blocks, because I was just like, I needed, I just needed the space and the time to just, so many things were rushing through my head. It's like, what am I going to say to my co-founders who have, you know, the, the way and my co-founders are three of my best friends in the world. And we are very much a divide and conquer. You mm -hmm. do your part. I do my part. We just tons of trust and respect. And they had entrusted me to do that you know, and to deliver an outcome. And I was like, what am I going to say to them? And then I was like, oh, I'm going to have to work for this company. We're going to have to sign this term sheet. I'm going to have to work there. At the other one. You mean like, is it, it, it's, it's like, it's, it's occurring to you that like, because it didn't even come up and this meeting seems so poor that the other sale is the only option is it's what is like option. hitting you at that moment. Yeah. Right. So I'm simultaneously like thinking about, I'm a failure. Uh, I've let my best friends and business partners and investors down and simultaneously coming to grips with like, oh, like I'm going to have to fly to LA. Like just everything mm -hmm. from the, like the detail yeah. to like, this is like my next phase of chapter of my life and my career will be at this other company. Sam, can you, can you pause on that for a little bit? When you said uh, you're thinking you're a failure, you had a term sheet. And was it that you just, it was so much emotion around the meeting you just walked out of that that felt just icky and bad or, or was the term sheet the deal? I, I not think to not be able to not be able to draw interest, to successfully draw interest from match over the better part of a year for mm -hmm. what I would argue was the most interesting asset. Um, there aren't a lot of dating apps. There aren't a lot of dating yeah, sites out there. Like there just space. aren't. You can, yeah. you can name them all, you know? And, and so, it was so unique. It was so unique and took a really, yeah. Yeah. Innovative yeah. And so like, I was so like, to fail gosh, to get I an really... interest from the like leader. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, you just should, I should have been able to do something differently to have gotten them to want to buy us, you know? So, and so you're walking home. Good. And presumably, by the way, of course, more bidders means better price. So like, you know, we had a term sheet that we were willing sure. to accept. It was a fine price. But, it's um, one, yeah. but, you know, yeah, there's also this like this feeling that like not only did I fail just in the in the one instance of getting match interested, I failed in the broader interest of maximizing the total interest and thus the total value in the company. Like I was literally walking to a board meeting and my, you know, I was going to see my co-founders and then we were going to have a board meeting. So all of this, I had this finite 25 minute window to just like process everything. And at this board meeting you're walking to, I'm assuming it's a board meeting where you're expected to make a final decision because it's Correct. your last day of this term sheet. So Correct. that's a, so you're walking to a very intense meeting. 
walking to an intense meeting where, you know, I, everyone is anticipating that I would bring back some news from match. And so I would have to say that, no, we didn't. And that we would go through the process of, we were, we were totally prepared to, to sign this, this other term sheet. And so, so how does the rest of this day go? And, and is there any other things going on, um, that are like affecting your mental state on this day? Like it's a Friday, you've got a weekend yeah. coming up. Um, but, but because, because I'm imagining we're already in afternoon on this day and somehow we all know that you end up selling to match group. Right. So the hours right. are dwindling here. How does the rest of this day go? I mean, it's a busy, it's a generally busy time in my life. Um, my wife is pregnant with our second kid uh, due uh, about a month later um, in mid, mm -hmm. in early mid December. Um, and I've got a flight, you know, I'm, I'm taking the last flight out of LaGuardia as I normally do. Uh, so, you know, like a 10 o'clock, nine o'clock flight. So I'm going to get home late. So this is all, but it's, but it's also not, um, it's also not like, um, looming in any way. Cause it's, it was like my life. Like it was mm -hmm. just another Friday to be, mm -hmm. you know, sort of on the road. And, um, you know, we were deep enough into the pregnancy and it was our second kid that, you know, it wasn't the most top of mind thing every moment, but it was definitely among all the chaos and, craziness happening at work, it was in the context of there's a lot going on at home too, for sure. Sam, for, for context for the listener, how many years in as CEO were you at that point of OKCupid? Yeah, a, a, a long time. And maybe later we can get into like even why we were we were going down this sale path. But um, yeah. we had started the company in uh, May of 2003. And this is November of 10. So seven and change. What I haven't heard from you yet is you talking about any feelings of exhaustion. And seven years into my role as CEO, I was typed. And if you told me, like, I had the opportunity to sell, like, there were some mixed feelings for sure, but I would have talked about the exhaustion. Why is that not coming up for you? The, the, the reason we are selling in the first place is because of exhaustion. Okay. And so I think in this moment... Um, if I'm thinking back to that day, uh, that was adrenaline, mm -hmm. not exhaustion for, for yeah. those hours, uh, of sort of that day of ramping up for the meeting. And then the like, oh my God, what am I about? To, I have to go like, I was like dialed into like, okay, I've got to go have these conversations. I've got to run a board meeting. I've got to return a term sheet. Like, and I've got to go catch a flight like that. It, that was very much like what I was doing. It, it, it is in the context of incredible exhaustion and frustration with the fact that the company's not doing as well as we want it to be. Mm -hmm. um, but at that moment, that's not what's top of mind. Yeah. It's almost yeah. as though, and I, I went through one acquisition process so far myself, like I, it's almost as though that deal moment is re-energizing, <laughs> like gives yeah. you, pulls you back out for, for, for a second. But so help us finish this Friday do you, do you sign this term sheet and then it ends up and you end up not following through with it and something else happens or, or do you end up not signing it or asking for more time? What do you do? Yeah. So, uh, I get back to the office. Um, I, you know, talk to the, talk to my co-founders. They are, um, disappointed, but you know, support, very supportive. I mean, yeah, they're, you know, the way we all operate together is like, there's no doubt that we're not doing our best, that we're not yeah. like- They don't drag you down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're just like, look, you know, hey. <laughs> okay. You tried, let's get going. And so so I'm starting to pull together, I'm starting to pull together the materials for the board meeting. Um, and um, I get a text from my wife, Jessica. 
she says, hey, um, I'm having contractions. Uh, get home as soon as you can. So I was like, okay, okay. Uh, that's a that's a wrinkle I wasn't planning for in this day, and um, very sort of, and this is not the first time she had had contractions um, uh, during her pregnancy, and in fact, to the point where um, I had shared this story with the CEO of the company that we're about to sign the term sheet with, and he had shared that his wife, he he had shared a story where he had been on a plane to London landed literally had to get on the same plane coming back like so we had already he and i uh, had already sort of had a, a not a bond but had, had a conversation yeah. about this um so i was like oh shit um and so i texted the ceo and i was like hey this is what's happening and he immediately was like don't worry about our deadline like take the weekend go do the right thing i was like awesome cancel the board meeting and you know just straight to LaGuardia, get on like the six o'clock. And of course, like the whole time I'm like, ah, am I going to miss my kids? You know, like my kid's birth and like, oh my, like, then talk about all, then the stress really starts coming. Cause you're like, okay, these are things that I'm never going to like, you know, live down. Um, uh, and of course the plane never flies fast enough when you need it to, you know, land at O'Hare, um, you know, pull out my phone, uh, I text my wife and uh, she writes back, False alarm. All good. I'm fine. <laughs> so, and of course, I was like, you know, deep breath. I mean, she did do a solid. She got another weekend on the deal. I know. Was what I know. I'm hearing. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> so, you know, I, I remember, like, I remember, I just, I still remember, like, walking out of that, that, uh, the jet bridge and just being like, then everything was really starting, you know, to your point, Ryan, earlier, like, I was really so on adrenaline. Uh, you know, that afternoon that, and of course I was like amped up on the flight that now it's like, okay, I'm now back into this. Now everything starts to hit me. I'm like, oh, I'm back in the real world now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like mom and baby and wife are all fine. Oh, okay. Now I really have to figure out like, okay, we have this deal we've got to go deal with and whatever. And so I get home, go to sleep the next morning, I wake up Saturday morning and, um, I just had this like uh, not, epiphany is too strong of a word. I just had this like feeling, and I was like, I have to call the CEO of Match. His name is Greg. I was like, I have to call Greg. And I don't know. I, I again, I it's hard to even like go back and think like what was what was the argument like. What well, I, I don't even know why, but I remember I was sitting. We we have a we had had an older kid. And I was, I remember I was actually took, did the call in the nursery for some reason. I just vividly remember that was like the quietest place in the house. Um, and I called Greg at like nine in the morning on a Saturday or something like insanely early like that. At least he was on the East coast. So maybe it was 10 his time, but, um, you didn't email him. You didn't text him. You just called him. I called him. And did you notify your co-founders, talk to investors, even talk to Jessica about this concept or you just did it on your own? No, I just called him. Hmm. Okay. Did he yell at you again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, actually, now in retrospect, you know, I, as I think through the details, I, I, I suspect. I, while I don't vividly remember, I'm sure I would have. I'm sure I said to my co-founders and to Jess, "Hey, I'm just going to call Greg." Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't but it like was, a big thing. It was just it like wasn't a big plan. Yeah, I'm going like, to do it. Yeah. Um, and so I called him, 
And, you know, I said, hey, like yesterday's meeting didn't go how I wanted. Um, you know, I apologized for like whatever miscommunication or whatever had led to like that meeting not going well. And then I said to him, I was like, hey, the, you know, we never actually got to the thing I wanted to say yesterday, hmm. uh, which is that we have a term sheet we're going to sign to sell the company. And he literally goes to somebody else, like, <laughs> obviously, because <laughs> yeah, you'll be... it's not his term sheet. <laughs> That's um, hilarious. And like, it, it, like, I think, I think he had rightfully so thought that, okay, if these guys are ever really going to sell, they're going to tell us, mm -hmm. you know? So I think he like, I think in matches mind to the extent they wanted to buy us, which they did. Mm -hmm. I just think he was like, we have leverage as time goes by. So why are we going to lean in with a term sheet? We'll just wait yeah. until they, t he tells us like, if only, if anything, it's almost like a little bit of a sign of affection, potentially that he was like giving you such tough, tough love. I, I would say if not affectionate respect. Okay. I don't know if that's, yeah. a, that's, that's a, a weird way to show affection to yell at somebody, but I yeah. do think the way, and now knowing how Greg operates, Respect I do think is like, a good word. yeah, I, I think there was like, you know, some, um, and so, and so he said to me, he said, when are you going to sign this? And I said, well, we were going to sign it. We we're going to sign yesterday, but we have till Monday. He goes, are you serious? And I was like, I'm calling you on a Saturday morning. Like this is, like this, this would be like the weirdest bluff ever, you know. I'm not that smart to pull off something like that. Um, and he said, "Because if you're serious, I'll have my team work the weekend, and we'll get you something on Monday." Uh, and I was like, "If we get something from you on Monday, we we will absolutely be able to consider it in time before we have to decide this other thing." I would later find out I've, I've become very good friends with the woman who ran Corp Dev for him. And she was having a girl's weekend in Vegas that weekend. So they were a couple hours behind. So she wakes up and she tells the story. She wakes up to like a dozen emails from Greg. Her story is not the same. <laughs> yeah. You need her story. Yeah. So as uh, her name is Stacy. And as, as she tells the story, she's like, I'm literally like took a vacation for the first time. Like I'm with my girls, girlfriends in Vegas, wake up at 8 a.m. Vegas time. And it's like, here's all this work you have to do urgently on this okay cupid deal oh. so like anyway we're, we're we're really good friends to this day and uh, but she like will to forever has like you ruined that you owe me a vegas weekend um so anyway um so i'm like all of a sudden oh my god i think he just said he's gonna give us a term sheet on monday like i was like i was like processing and i'm like is that really what he's because when i called then i absolutely called my co-founders and they were like Wait, is he? Are you sure? Did he really yep. say he's giving a term sheet, or he might give us a term? And I was like, I don't. I wasn't listening closely enough, like to the exact words he used. I know he said term sheet Monday, you know, but I was like, try or will. Um, who's on the board, Sam? Who's on the board at this point? Who is the board of directors of OKCupid? Um, the board of directors is uh, three of the co-founders, Max and Chris and I. And two investors, um, uh, Mac, who's one of our classmates, uh, and this guy, Etienne, who um, uh, graduated before us several years. Um, they, they were the two investors, you mean? Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, yeah. they had the two investor seats. Did you feel an obligation at this point to go to the board and get approval for what you were doing? Hmm. Um, no, I think like... Um, in my, you know, I already had approval from the board to run a process and to, to, mm -hmm. and to solicit term sheets. And so, um, 
I think I was, I was still operating, you know, sort of well within the, like the, mm -hmm. the expectation and, and in fact, the direction of the board. Yeah. And after that call, do you feel like relieved, excited? Like what's the shocked. emotion? Shocked. Shock. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, because now it's starting to dawn on me. Wait, wait a minute. I was like, wait, that's all it took to get a term sheet? Yeah. Well, you did all the work leading up to it. Pro it probably was this delicate balance, but, but something that I find really fascinating, and you've already touched on it by saying that M&A happens so infrequently in someone's career, sometimes zero times, but, but then even if many, just a few hand, like a few times, that there's no muscle memory. And, and what you're describing in this process is how kind of capricious it can feel like potentially it's like it's like the butterfly effect potentially all the little things you did is why that call went that way and that there's a thousand other versions where it doesn't i don't but i'm curious how it felt to you in that moment well and it, it jessica doesn't it jessica doesn't have a false alarm you have to sign no yeah i, I know i know it's, it's yeah i know that too. to this day like so many things in my life right now on you know in 2023 have come from the fact that I spent so much, that I sold the company, we sold the company to match. Like, yeah, that you like took that call in a nursery. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like, it's so, it, it's like if I hadn't had Max and Chris as my roommates, you know, in college, like there are these moments that are so random that have sort of left turn, right turn kind of like impacts on your life. And I, I don't know how to, I don't, even to this day, I don't know how to like even fully process those as like just luck, like, you know, and it's just like, ah. But, but it's something that I'm hearing from you that I'd like to give you credit for is like that I hear in other entrepreneurs I talk about where, that I really respect is in their story is there's a leave it on the field to use a like sports analogy mm. yeah. kind of component where there was a part of you that just thought, I'm just not going to sign without having told him, without having known for an absolute fact that yes. he's a no. Like with, if he, if he yelled in your ear, yeah. why are you calling me on Saturday? I don't care about your company. Like, you know, right. click, you would know that he's out. <laughs> like, right. You needed to know is what I'm hearing a little That's bit right. from your story. That's right. But, but then I was like, wait, how, but then I was like, how did I, how did I leave his office yesterday? <laughs> That's like, like, I was like, how, oh my how God. How old were you? Like, if, if you don't mind me asking, how old uh, were you during like that year? 2010, 33. Okay. Cause, cause like, I, you know, I don't, I, I certainly don't ascribe everything to age. That That's a dumb way of thinking, but, but it's like, sometimes it's like, I don't know. And when I look back on my career, there's moments where I just go like, I just was, I don't know. Like, I can't explain my own behavior of like, I sat in that meeting. I didn't do what I need to do or something. So I don't know if you ascribe it to age or. Yeah. Anything else? I don't know. Yeah. Was it lack of confidence? I, I don't know. If we end up signing, if we had signed that deal on that Friday, it would have been like negligent on my part to have not, I would have like had to fire myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it, it clearly means whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, it's like peering into the upside down. Like it's this unknown reality, yes. but, but, yeah. but yeah. But so, so here we are. Uh, I am curious how you do let, how you do uh, reject the other deal before we move into like what ends up happening. 
Actually, sorry, before we, before we get there, though, Sam, when you were thinking about which deal, like if you had gotten a term sheet, was anything running through your head about, this guy just screamed at me for an hour? What is the premium that I need to be paid to go work for this guy? Yeah, it's a great one. Greg and I had probably met four or five times, and I had, I had built a relationship with some of the other people on his team. And I came to believe it was not a yelling out of anger, but a yelling out of intensity. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a stylistic thing. There are, there are, there are, would later be articles written about it. Just that like, just like, he's just a loud man. And like, mm-hmm. it, it's, he, he, he would always, as I got to know, he'd say, I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling near you. Like he, that, that's just like, I've never heard he, he's that. like, no I, no, I never heard it either. But like, literally he's, he just, He's so animated and he gets so into whatever he's talking about. And it's, I don't know. And so, so I had processed it. I, I had come to like, be able to say, okay, in general, he's a rigorous thinker. And actually like he and I, again, we ended up having a great relationship together because to me, I want someone who I understand how they're thinking. Like mm-hmm. what's hardest for me is this capricious. Someone just decides, yeah. you know, I, I don't really have a good explanation for why, but we're just going to turn left here. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, okay, I get you can make that decision, but like, it seems random to me. Whereas with Greg, everything he does is like very, he's a litig, he's a litigator by training. You know, like he is a yeah. lawyer. And so everything, a yeah. And, and so, and so I came to appreciate that and, and working to the extent I was going to be working under like, a, a, you know, someone who thinks critically and structured um, was, I think something I could. I could live with. And, and I'm not like, I'm not easily intimidatable. Like if someone wants to yell at me or near me, it doesn't really bother me. So, and Greg, uh, at that time is holding the title like CEO match group, which is a title you come to hold at some point. So I'm curious. So there's a, there's another transition, uh, yeah. but we haven't quite gotten there, but I'm just like, yeah. at that moment, he's a CEO. Yeah, he is. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so look, we, we worked the weekend. They, they not surprisingly, uh, this woman, Stacy, who woke up in Vegas and we ruined her weekend. She, she had a number of diligence questions. Uh, so we were, you know, we go back and forth, um, that weekend, uh, over, I think all over email, but whatever. Um, and through the day on Monday and then, um, sure enough, uh, they, they do get to a term sheet on, on Monday. You hadn't indicated any of the terms from the other deal. You hadn't told them the price. They come in at a new price. Is the price a premium below the other one? I'm trying to think about their first offer. Their first offer was um, close enough, mm-hmm. close enough to the other one. Um, and remember, this was our this was our preferred buyer. So even mm-hmm. you know, there's a there's a discount we would have taken mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to sell to match uh, over the other one. Um, Mostly because, by the way, I wanted we we all wanted OKCupid to end up somewhere um, that we thought it would be live forever. Like the, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I take pride in is less how much a company I started sold for, but more like the fact that SparkNotes today is still mm-hmm. relevant twenty four yeah. years after Incredible. we started it. Like that, like we built something that had durable value wasn't the biggest company ever. It was a quite small company, but it was durable. Mm-hmm. And I wanted OkCupid to live somewhere, live in a company that was committed to the industry indefinitely. 
And mm-hmm. that's what, that, and match of course to this day is still the market leader, but I knew they weren't going anywhere. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where, that's one of the reasons we cared a lot about it. And so they were close enough um, to the other offer that we were able, we felt comfortable turning down the term sheet on Monday, even before we had a signed deal mm-hmm. with match. Cause it seemed to be trending, but that's still yeah. like, it, it's a, it's a, it's another thing that's easy to say now us all knowing the deal happens, but happened. That was a risk and probably stressful at the time where you're just living these very adrenaline filled days. Like that's another one where when you turn it down, you don't know, you know, a deal is never done till the money is wired and you're in your new role, et cetera. So, you know, you're making some risky choices on those days. Yeah. And, and, and Ryan, to your point, like, you know, there was, that was a lot of conversation with co-founders board, um, yeah. Jess, like that, you know, that was not something that was just like, oh, we're going to you know, tell these, you know, rip up this term sheet. Like that was, that was a, you know, highly discussed, um, conversation and uh, decision. When you called the first company to say no, you called their CEO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you share what were you feeling at that moment and how did that conversation go? I felt like he was on the other side of the butterfly, you know, flapping its wings, like, this was, uh, I don't like the word fair, uh, but this was somehow, yeah, he got the short end of that stick because if this, in the 99.9% of world out, you know, simulations where Jess doesn't have contractions on Friday, like he gets this deal done, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he didn't question your integrity during that moment. He didn't question whether or not it all happened. He was professional. Yeah. yeah. And I just said, uh, you know, I just, said, Hey, like, you know, he, he asked about, you know, my wife and I said, Hey, everything turned out fine. And just said, you know, we've, we've made a decision to, you know, we're not going to sign the term sheet. We're going to go in a different direction. You know, he, he, he was not happy. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to give the wrong impression, but, um, but he also didn't berate me or in any way say, Oh, that was a ruse or anything like that. And and I didn't even go into detail, like, Oh, we got the offer over the weekend. I just said, Mm -hmm. we're going in a different direction. So, you know, he, he, he doesn't know how we, long. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. He doesn't need the additional color that this all happened in the last twenty four hours or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and you know, he, may, he may have thought that you know, had the board meeting happened on Friday, we might have chosen to go a different direction there. Yeah. So, I, so I think, I think had he had the play by play, he might have. Well, I don't think he'd be more upset. But anyway, he had no reason to think there yeah. was like anything nefarious going on. So that that was a that was a short, simple, uh, you know, and in the scheme of things, uh, straightforward conversation. Uh, as it turned out. So something you've touched on a couple times, but I think now is good to zoom out and feel free to share any details about how the match deal kind of ultimately goes and, and whatnot. But but you mentioned the lead up to even deciding to, to sell, like some of the psychology, uh, the timeline, your years and years into um, into this. Like I'd love, I'd love to learn more. Like how, how long, like help us understand the timeline. Like how, how long is the build to some of that exhaustion? What is it like with your co-founders and exec team, where ultimately you decide, you know what, selling this is best. Like because I think that uh, you know listeners and I know myself um, included. That is a very non-obvious choice. The 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 some I'll even call it dogma, <laughs> a little bit in Silicon Valley is 
you never stop, like including, which ironically sometimes even includes M&A, like you never even consider selling, like the, you just keep, just keep going, like no matter what. So, so I'd like to unpack your decision to even decide to run a process. Uh, what, what brought you there? <sighs> yes. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's informed by a, a couple things. I think the, the first thing is, as I said earlier, um, you know, we had started this company called SparkNotes and we had very, we got very same lucky. Co-founders. Sold, same co-founders. Same co-founders. Okay. Same co-founders. Um, and we had sold that company in less than a year after starting it. We got mm-hmm. exceptionally lucky. And so we had had this great outcome in a year. And mm-hmm. so I'm not saying we thought it was always going to be that easy, but the one data point we had was a very Amazing. lucky, fast data point. And so we started the company in 2003 and, you know, this is, again, there's no, I mean, there's not even mobile phones or there's not even smartphones and certainly there's no like APIs and cloud. Like we like leased servers and data centers. Like it took us a year to launch a product, like things that are like, you tell founders that now they're like, oh, I could build OkCupid in like four days, you know, or whatever. And they're like, no, it took us like a year. Um, and so like things, things generally took longer than, um, God, I sound old when I say that. Um, and so we started the company in 03, we raised, um, we raised a very small amount of seed money, mostly from the, our, from the founders. We put in, um, $600,000 in 2003, and then we raised, um, about $6 million in 2006. And that was all the money we, we raised. Um, and here's what happened. We raised the money and, you know, like, you know, we had dreams of, of growth and, and scale and all the things that founders dream about. And I'll spare all the, all the gory details, but basically 2007, 2008, we were growing, but very linearly, not exponential, not anything like we were growing like a fine, like if we were a industrial company, you'd be like, great, you know, you're growing your revenue, but like, we were not a venture growth. We we're not growing like a venture backed company should grow. And I, I said earlier in our conversation, like we have immense trust and respect for each other. Like the four of us are, I think each really good at what, especially myself excluded. The three of them are just like truly, truly brilliant people. Um, and so there was never, no one ever was like, oh, you suck at your job or mm-hmm. you are failing. It was all like the things we are doing aren't working, mm-hmm. okay? And, you know, we used to have breakfast every morning at Dunkin' Donuts. Like I still remember exactly what we would order. Like it was, it was like the same. The, we were such good friends and we, you know, we would stay at, we'd stay at work till really late hours and it was everything to us. And we were, we would have like, the four of us just had one conversation that went on for like six years. It was like that kind of, you know, closeness. But by the end of 2010, um, like we started disagreeing more mm-hmm. again. None of it was like, you suck. Like I suck. It was like, yeah. yeah, we just were, we were starting to have more and more friction about how to change the trajectory of the business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when things are going well, it's easy to agree. You're like, Oh, Keep doing sure. that, you know, do more of that, you know, but when things aren't going well, you have to, you know, there's a diagnosis and then there's like a, you know, come up with a solution and 
smart, reasonable people can disagree, especially smart, reasonable people probably can mm -hmm. disagree on what to do. And so we started, we started, the conversation started getting less and less fun. Um, our friendship started getting, you know, less and less close. Uh, so I, maybe that's not even true. I don't think it, I, I don't think we, I don't like think maybe our friendship. Belabored. Like it's like, it's like yeah. a, there's a, there's a dragnet on, on the energy of it, which is that this thing is not working the way that you all want it to. Correct. Um, and it gets so bad that the 2010 holiday party, I tried to boycott, uh, because I didn't want to like fun. We yeah. don't want to have fun together. Anymore. Well, it was the oh. whole company. Right. And, and I was like, and I was like, I don't want to be in the same room with Chris. Uh, Chris was like chief product officer. Yep. Okay. was his idea. Like he, mm -hmm. he singularly gets credit for us being in this business. So he, you know, um, and, uh, and I was like, I can't be in the same room with Chris right now. And Max was like, we can't have a holiday party without the CEO. <laughs> like that will look stupid. Um, and I was like, okay, fine. Um, so I, and I had just planned to like not be in New York that day, but I, I went in for the, for the holiday. And I remember it was like in this basement. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, anyway, we had it. It was fine. I left this, like I came at the last minute. I like left at the earliest possible time. I was like, I got to get out of here. And then we had a, we had a meeting in January because, because we were all like, hey, this isn't working. And uh, we had an offsite at our lawyer's office. Note to uh, listeners, do not have offsites at your lawyer's I've office. I've never like, heard of that. No, that's, terrible idea. That sounds supremely unfun. I know. I so imagine we're at this like oversized like table, you know, in this like drearily, you know, beige room. And we basically are like, okay, let's spend the next year effectively what we called skeleton mode, which was basically like, let's, let's all plan our, let's all go find our successors in the organization. Um, the company was break even. So like there was no need to sell. Uh, so we were just like, look, let's all hire our, or promote our successors. We'll all leave the company at the end of the year. And if it grows like this for a decade, maybe in 2020, we'll have a business that's worth something. So that was Did your resolution you never... is to liberate yourselves. Go ahead, Brian. Well, yeah, I guess maybe going in a similar direction, liberate all of the four of you at once, or was the consideration, actually, maybe we need to get rid of one or two of us. I think we never, I think, I, I think we never contemplated uh, that we wouldn't all be in or out together. It's kind of unique that you considered it. Yeah, you considered it that way. I have heard many stories where a couple people are feeling like they want out and one person is not, you know, or one person wants to run it. Like, like I've heard there being a more uneven application of that logic. So that, that does strike me as unique. Yeah. I think you're the first person to ever ask me that question. Um, and I, and I'm just, I, I don't remember that ever coming up. I, and I think it's for two reasons. I think one, it's our friendship. I think we, a lot of the joy again, at that moment, we weren't loving every second, but, I think in part, a big reason we loved the job was each other. And two, I don't think I've ever seen a group of founders with more complementary, non-overlapping skill sets. Meaning like what the four of us each did, I think 
the other would be not that great at. And so mm-hmm. I think there would have been like a massive rebuild or, you know, like it just would have been a big, heavy lift to, you know, for two people to replace two people. And I, I just think there wasn't a lot of appetite for that. Something's interesting to me, Sam, about like the kind of kitchen cabinet you have around you at this moment in time. If you had had a board, I know Matt, friends, uh, we went to school, you know, the, the three of us went to school together, a great guy, not a traditional venture capitalist. Um, I don't know the other board member that you mentioned, but it strikes me that if you had had traditional venture capitalists on your board, they would have fought like hell to keep you in your seat and to say, okay, you got an issue with Chris. That's fine. Or we're, we're, let's replace Chris. Because you know what, Sam, I've got this really experienced uh, ex-COO of Matt who left last year and we can pull her in and she's going to be amazing. Something like that. But in absence of those voices on you, you go a different route. It, yeah. It's an, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting set of pros and cons. I think um, in terms of who you have on your board and, and I, and I, and I talk to founders all the time about this, like who you take money from and who you put on your board have consequences that I, that are like very hard to know ahead of time, but can be like, I, like one of our board members, Etienne, uh, Etienne, who you don't, who you don't know. I remember him saying, why are we selling the Ferrari? He had some analogies. Like we just put the wheels on the, we just put the engine in the Ferrari. Why are we selling it now? Or he's some Mm -hmm. analogy like that. Like, but he was a small investor. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to like lay on the tracks. Whereas I think a, I think a professional, a professional VC, I think, would have been, and by the way, maybe for better or for worse, might have pushed a lot harder on us to either sort out our thing, our, our dynamics, or there were things we could have done in the bit. We could have done different things. We could have made different business decisions that, um, in fact, there were a couple of business decisions we intentionally uh, did not execute that we executed only after we got acquired that ended up being very positive. So there were a number of things that a different board um, have pushed on. might have pushed on that would have, could have led to a different, better, worse outcome. I really like decoupling kind of like the inputs from the output. And sometimes you've got great inputs and the outputs don't work out. And that's, it is what it is. Sometimes it's really lousy inputs and it works out and that's luck. In this case, are you happy with the inputs in this process? I think if I, if I sort of, if I put myself, if I, if I put myself in that moment and don't benefit myself from what ends up happening down the road, I think we had mostly good enough inputs. I do think, I do think had we had a seasoned operator. Mm-hmm. Someone who had built businesses, had gone through some of the things we had gone through, who we all respected. Mm-hmm. I think that voice was probably missing. And when you're sitting around a table with your four, arguably some of your best friends in the world and co-founders in this business, and you're all talking about leaving, I'm interested in the intersection of, or just people's digestion of failure feelings. Do you feel any... If you didn't feel failure, feel free to push back. But do you feel failure feelings and are they like 
I'm a bad entrepreneur. I should have been able to make this work. Or are they, this one didn't just turn out. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm, I, I want to go on to build the next thing. That's the whole reason we're discussing leaving. Like, how are you digesting this decision that like all of a sudden you need to all abandon ship, you know? Oh, oh yeah. No, no. It, it's, it's very much couched in failure. You know, I think one of the things as a founder, um, I think your name is like inextricably bound with the company that mm -hmm. you started in a way that like, if you just work at McKinsey, like no one confuses that you're McKinsey or McKinsey is you or whatever, sure. or Google or whatever. Whereas SparkNotes, OkCupid are the four of us. Yeah. And the four of us are almost those companies, you know, and, and like, and so I think it's very hard to disaggregate your company's failure from your own as a, as a co-founder. I think it's just very hard. Um, mm -hmm. the world probably doesn't care. I mean, who cares why a company that you don't know failed? Like, but, but I think you as the founder, I think it's, and I mean, the things I have been, the things that I have been a part of that have failed, I feel very responsible and I replay in my mind, like what happened? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, and, and I remember a walk I went on with Jess, I was in Boston. I was, I'm on year five of commuting every week. Um, and now to her credit, she was like, can you just sell OkCupid for like a dollar and come back home? Like she was not, she was, she was not like for her, it wasn't financial for her. It was like, mm -hmm. I get it. If you're doing this because you're loving it and it's, a thing you're passionate about in our building, but like, if it's not going to work, why are you, then why are you leaving home every week? Mm -hmm. Like that was her argument. It wasn't That's like an intense question. Yeah. It, in fact, this, this one walk we went on, we were, we were strolling our, our, our daughter. She like, I remember saying, what number would you, what number would you be okay with me selling us selling okay cubic for? And her number was so low. It was like less than the number, less than the amount of investment we had had. Like we would have made no money. It was below the preference, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was like a number less than $6 million. And I was like, okay, but then we wouldn't get anything. And she's like, yeah, but then you'd come home, you know? So like that's, but in some ways that's even a harder pressure, you know, like, because it's, totally. you know, it's not the money. How did you interpret that, Sam? When, when she oh, said I was that, interested. like um, as she's sending a message there. <laughs> she's sending a she's definitely sending a message. I, I remember being, I remember being both sad, uh, like, wow, I'm a shitty husband. Um, that like, you just don't even care. Like it's that, that my absence is what you care about, not the, mm -hmm. the outcome. Um, I was also, I, I don't really get mad. I was also like, um, annoyed because I was mm -hmm. like, and Justin and I, I think, have different views on on money. I think mm -hmm. she could care less about money. And I, as a practical matter, think a certain amount of money allows a lot of other things mm -hmm. to happen. And so her, I, I, I found her being so, um, whatever, so um, mm -hmm. dismissive mm -hmm. of the economics to be almost like a, a moral high horse, but like mm -hmm. impractical, like mm -hmm. the money does matter, especially yeah. at that point in our lives. You talked about it being a failure. Can you help me understand that? And I'm not, look, I, um, at that point, how many users did it have? Uh, 
oh, um, we, we probably had, you know, single-digit millions. It's growing single-digit millions users. It's not uh, Facebook in 2010. I understand that. But to call it a failure, what do you mean by that? I mean, and again, this all gets back to like, you know, sort of what company you're trying to build and who you raise yeah. money from and what you like. But we had pitched a vision of a business that looked very different from what we were delivering. Mm -hmm. We had pitched a business with tens of millions of users, with tens of millions of dollars of revenue of, you know, that was the biggest dating site at the time app, um, you know, in the world, like we, we, we had pitched it. We were going to, this was going to be a winner take all market. We were going to like take it all. And there was an economic component to the kind of returns we wanted to deliver our investors. And, and look, I, I get people invest in startups, eyes wide open. They, they understand loss of capital is a thing, but like, you know, I don't want to lose other people's money. Of course. And, and again, it's less about, it's less about like that investment. Did they know they were going to or not? But it's also like, well, if we lose these people's money, how am I going to raise money for my next company? Like yeah. they might not invest again, you know, like it, this, this, it's one of those like success breeds success things. And it's like, okay, well, if we don't have an outcome that's commensurate with what we, what, with what their expectations are, then what does this mean for us? ever raising money like there's it's all existential. these like... it's existential yeah. for, for you as an entrepreneur and the measuring stick is all successful companies ever and being a leader in your in your field and at that time it's not it but but I, I do i don't know if this is where you're going ryan but i think that something that is fascinating is the people such as yourself on this call that that to end up achieving so much in their career that just thousands and, and millions of other people actually end up knowing about those companies and looking up to them have moments in their career where they feel like they're an utter, utter failure. It's, it's an interesting phenomena almost, you know, like you uh, felt that way when objectively many things are, are working. To reorient us in time, if I may, this moment where you're feeling failure is now how close in calendar time, assuming we all no. do know how this turns out, yeah. to when you end up selling to match. So like how much calendar time between I'm a failure <laughs> to I'm actually selling to the category leader? Yeah, what so, are you dealing so, with? So I think January, 10, January of 2010 is this, is this offsite at the, law, at, at the lawyer's <laughs> office um, when it's like, we really commit to breaking up the band. Like this yeah. is, we are now going down a path of um, this thing, not of us not working together a year from now. Mm -hmm. And so 2010 is that year where we're all, each one of us had like a work stream is the wrong word. Each one of us had like a um, set of, things we were going to do mm -hmm. to try to either maximize value or set up the business for other leadership or whatever. But we each, mm -hmm. we each left that meeting with like a specific set of things we were going to do. Um, and it was all in the service of um, preparing for the businesses to exist without us. Mm -hmm. So that was probably like, 
I think the the two lowest points for me were that the Christmas part, the holiday party <laughs> that I tried to boycott, and this meeting at the like those two like pictures in my mind um, are like the two low points. So holiday party in a basement, offsite in a lawyer's office. These are two things not to not to, <laughs> not to don't expect. do those. And yeah, they're a couple months. And they're a couple months apart. Yeah, December and January. They're very close December in time. Yeah. yeah. Did you ask Chris to go on a walk during that time period? Did you guys go get a meal? Uh, we, I mean, we we spent we definitely spent one on one time together. I don't, I, I don't remember like a I don't remember a conversation. Um, we definitely sorted out like I, in some ways. In some ways, the decision to break up the band took all the pressure off the friendship. Alleviates it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like that is the release valve. Is like we have this untenable situation, but it's only untenable in the in the event that there's no clear path out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I think I think when people like when you can see the finish line, even if the finish people, line isn't what you want, there's a really yeah, totally. It's like it's almost like anything. It's like it's like that too long plane flight you're on. You're like, okay, well, we're in descent. You're like, okay, fine. I'm like, we're landing. Like it's, I'm going to be off soon. Like you can start to like look and know that you're going to get out of this thing. Because the mutual respect and your friendship still existed, but totally. it just was like in a broken state because of the business wasn't the way. A hundred percent. So I think, I think, right. Like we had, we, the four of us kept, you know, we kept having breakfast and whatever. I just, you know, I just couldn't be at that holiday party and like pretend to be like, you know, whatever, you know, best friends still. This, this story ends in such an extraordinary way. And I want to get back to that in a second, but if you kind of, you know, you, you have been a VC for, for a couple of years, you've acted as a, a venture capitalist. If, you know, you had a similar situation now where you're the board member, you're the investor board member or an independent board member and a similar situation is happening. What advice would you give or what advice would you have given Sam you know, in early 2010, anything that you think that that group should have done differently? I think we probably were not nearly as transparent. We probably didn't, we probably kept everything a little too close to the vest. Mm -hmm. Meaning I don't think any of us had mentors mm -hmm. that we, and you know, whether they're board members or not, I just don't think, I think in general, we were a pretty insular group. Um, from each other or from the outside no, world? No, no, from, from the outside world. Meaning yeah. like, I just don't think we had access to people who could help us put everything in perspective, could help us say, hey, I've been through this before. Um, and I think that's where, you know, 80, 80 plus percent of the advice and counsel I give founders has nothing to do with business strategy. Mm -hmm. or how to run OKRs or do whatever. It's about like leadership, mm -hmm. managing stakeholders, tough conversations, perspective. Like th those are the things that I find I can add the most value to founders today. And I think it's the thing um, we were sorely lacking in retrospect. Does the word, I'm going to use an extreme word. Does the word shame... <laughs> I did enter into this period of time for you at all with the holiday party. And I'll use myself instead of you. Like I remember situations where I was not feeling excited about my own company and I would feel shame about that or have trouble showing up to a company event, knowing that I was supposed to be the cheerleader and I was not bringing that cheerleader energy 
I, you tell me your version because I don't want to put it in your mouth. Yeah, but. I mean, I, I, I think, I think shame is like very close. It's like very adjacent to like the feeling of failure. So I, yeah. I think, um, you know, it was less internally actually. Like I think, I think most people in the company thought we were doing fine. Like mm-hmm. no one thought, no one thought we were doing great. But I think yeah. to like, you know, to your point, it wasn't depressing or something. Yeah, and I think to the point you both made, like. Their objective, like people were still going out in the world saying they worked for OkCupid and getting hugs at bars, you know, yeah. like, yeah, that's you cool. know, like, so it, it was still like, it was a cool enough thing to be doing. And especially because of the category we're in and the fact that especially in Manhattan, we were, we were probably the, probably the largest or second largest dating app in Manhattan. So like there were, there were plenty of positive signal to the rank and file employee for sure. And so I think like, I didn't have any trouble like showing up and looking someone in the eye and saying, you should still work. You know, yeah. I, I've seen environments where like founders have to like convince employees to stay because people are like, why am I on this stinking ship? That there wasn't that feeling, but I do think like, what am I going to say to my investors? What am I going to say to Jess? What am I going to say to like my parents? Like those things, um, how am I going to sort this out in my career? That's where failure, shame, I think we're, we're closer and more, more present. Remind me the date then of like when the match deal ends up being real. Like, again, I'm trying to connect the calendar of how long it sits in this state before yeah. you are in this completely other world. I mean, it, it takes probably, uh, and I don't remember the exact date. It probably takes us, uh, oh, well, I do remember because I was, I was in the delivery room uh, when I was negotiating with, I literally, <laughs> literally was on marker. the phone with Greg. I was on the phone with Greg in the delivery room when he finally was like, you have to stop talking to me. <laughs> and he hung up because he's like, you have to go talk to your wife. Um, uh, so it was at least through the 24th of November. Um, I think we signed the term sheet like the first week of December, if I remember correctly. So it was probably two weeks of like term sheet limbo. And then I think as anyone who has done a deal knows, a term sheet is just a term sheet. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, we closed January 20 something and so there's then you've got the like a two-month-old um yeah exactly well yeah exactly a two-month-old yeah so there's probably six to eight weeks of negotiating the deal and i always say every deal you know has three deaths yeah. um and so sure enough there were there were two or three times when we were like uh i i remember i was actually took a call with greg i take calls with greg in the weirdest places now that i'm saying it out loud <laughs> a nursery <laughs> So in my nursery, in the delivery room, and at my parents' condo, <laughs> I took a call with Greg. When he said words that are infamous to my to my co-founders, he said, he was so mad at me. He said, I can't see. I have flames in my eyelids. <laughs> at the top of and this the is line, before the deal is finalized. He, he said that this to is you. Between, this is between term oh, sheet and- Oh my gosh. What was he mad just, about? I don't even remember now. I don't even remember now. Um, <laughs> But I remember that friend said, like, flames in your eyelids? That's really a weird image for someone to share. I have to know in a moment where where the new acquirer is saying, I have flames in my eyelids. Do you have any flashbacks to turning down the other deal and feeling like, oh, my gosh, did I? No, no, no. for whatever reason, for whatever like reason. Like, you knew it was going to go through in your I heart of like hearts? This was, I okay. felt this was all, I felt this, was, I was very committed Wow. And confident that this was this was the right direction. That's impressive. Um, What's he saying to you is your role at that point? What are you what are you negotiating for your role going forward? Oh, so so we're so the way the deal the the deal the deal very quickly moved into 
an upfront payment and a one-year earnout. Okay. And so I was gonna I was gonna be the CEO of OKCupid, run as a wholly owned and as okay. independent as possible subsidiary of Match. Okay, and you were happy with okay. that? Yeah, yeah, that was the, that was the best we could ask for. Um, and I anyway, do, we, we put, sorry, no, no, I I do kind of want to skip a couple steps here now, and because somehow you. It goes from this to you being the CEO of Match. And I, I, to me, when I was, I just was like reading a bunch of articles, digesting a bunch of information about your career. And, and this seems, it strikes me as unique. Like there's just so, if I do 10 interviews about with entrepreneurs who have their company acquired, I get nine or 10 stories where the relationship after that sours quickly, uh, they're unhappy and, and I get, not not one, but you're the one story where, where someone ends up as the CEO <laughs> of, yeah. the, of the new company. I think there's probably some aspects of IAC and their strategy, um, you know, leading into that being the situation. But we're talking about this guy with flames in his eyelids and all of a sudden you get his job. Like, I just we just need to connect the dots here <laughs> of, of how that happens. Yeah. So what happens is literally after we sign the term sheet and before we close the deal, Greg gets promoted to be the CEO of IAC, replacing Barry Diller. And he leaves the CEO of Match role open. Okay. And to this day, I've never actually had a conversation with him about what was he thinking in that moment, leaving it open. But so, so for a full 18 months, five of us, the four people who ran the major business units at Match and the CFO, all independently report to the CEO of IAC directly. There is okay. no CEO of Match. Okay. From January of 11 to September of 22, that role is left open. Okay. You must be thinking to yourself, this is not a healthy situation. You know what's, you know what's even uh, maybe worse than that? <laughs> I barely noticed or cared. <laughs> meaning, meaning, I think if I'd spent more time in corporate America, I would realize that this is insane to have the biggest business unit of IAC like CEO leaderless. List. Yeah. But I was kind of like, I'm just doing my thing. I'm just the CEO of I, I'm just the CEO of OKCupid. And honestly, not having a CEO of Match is better for me because I know Greg. I have my deal with Greg. Yeah. And like the last thing I want is some new person coming in and being my boss. That sounds terrible. It crossed my mind zero times, zero times that I would be the CEO because. A, I'm leaving. Yeah. B, I, my org is 37 people out of a thousand. Mm, mm. Like, didn't occur to you. Zero times. Um, and so I was just like, look, I report to Greg. He does all the things. I, I get everything I need from this structure and situation, and I'm out of here in a year. So there wasn't a succession style like lobbying <laughs> for that role. Oh, 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 in retrospect, once, once, once I got offered the job, then I realized, and then the other four, the other four people all quit. Yep. Oh. And then I was like, okay. oh, 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 there was something. And then I was like, oh, no wonder everyone always like wanted my vote. Cause there, there were, there were like these, two people always agreed and two people always agreed. And everyone like cared about my opinion on things. Hmm. And I was like, why? There'd be like these totally random things about the company that the other four people would like call me and ask my opinion on. I'm like, why? And I, I totally was, I like Ryan, I'm sure you think I'm like, you, I did not know. I, I was like heads down running my, we had an earn out. We had a, 
almost half the value of our deal was in the earnout. So I was just like, heads down, earn, earn the money. And the earnout um, was in cash. It was not in stock. It was in cash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm gonna. I have to ask a question. I'm gonna ask it in an ironic way. You are running OKCupid for years and years. You are exhausted. You've run a marathon. The the acquisition is a finish line strip. Your your nearly dead body falls across that line. <laughs> then you stand up, and I'm assuming that after that people are just piling on refreshments your life is easy and nice it's a joking way it's yeah. a, i'm joking like i, I yeah. how do you how what is it like after acquisition and how do you deal with the fact that you're just you've already expended all your energy oh but yeah but it was so i mean to have gotten the outcome we got when like when we when the alternative was either in the january lawyer's office or even that other term sheet. I mean, yeah. This this term sheet was like we made two three times more money on this deal Great. at least Great. than on the so other one. And so like we're like Maybe. we're like pinching ourselves. Okay. This was like victory out of the jaws of defeat type thing, you know. So but I you think you don't get to go but you don't get to go take 3 months off or something just kind of telling the human side like well, like an acquisition isn't this magical unicorn. You don't get like time off or something. So like do you you're pinching yourself because it's great and you pulled this thing off, but but are you okay just jumping back in and running it? Like you know, here here's the thing. Um the outcome was so good. We were I mean, our friendship was like back. we're like hugging and high fives and <laughs> And, and there's something about a one-year earnout. There's something yeah, about a one-year earnout that is magical. like so unnatural as to be like it's like a Rubik's cube. Yeah, like, yeah. They're like you have this. We had one goal to hit. It was just like you, we had. In fact, I had a shirt printed with the um, profit level we had to hit. Oh my I, gosh! I almost remember it, but I, I there's one digit I don't remember. And I walked into my first meeting with Greg. And I had wearing the, shirt. the profit number, 6,900, whatever thousand. And he was like, oh, you're going to hit the number, aren't you? I'm like, we're so going to hit the number. Don't that, even worry about but it. But in hindsight, that's when you got the CEO job of Matt. Maybe. Yeah, he, <laughs> does, when he was he like, this dude is going to hit his numbers. Noted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, and so like, we had, we had like plans. We were like, we, had, we were, it was so short term and, and, you know, as you guys know, you've built startups, like you never have one goal. You have 10 no. goals. Oh, and you're like, and then there's like an 11th and a 12th that piles in. Yeah, yeah. And here we, and we had a, but we, we, they, we were funded. Like we had yeah. resources. I mean, yeah. we were like. So it really did wait. feel that way. I'm just checking to, I'm just checking whether it was like a false sense of that or what it would sound as, it sounds genuine. Like you're genuinely refreshed by all of this. It was that year, I think 2011, if not the most fun year we had, hmm. was close. That's awesome. Sam, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but it struck me when you said that they, the four of them quit. That was, I can imagine there's a lot of emotions around that for you. So you get named, can you just walk us through that? You get named CEO, and then what happens to the team around you? Uh, I get named CEO, and... Uh, by the way, I've never had an executive assistant in my life. Just to show you, like, like I didn't even know, and I got like assigned an executive assistant that morning. Like, 
I got the corner office that morning. Like, is this when you get the CEO of Match Roll? I'm just double yeah. checking. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, we get the CEO of Match Roll, um, and and it's not like everybody quits that day. But in the next between September and April, all four of the business leaders that were my peers quit, and another five of the next seven or eight most senior people in the company quit. Um, and you want to talk about feeling like, uh, I guess not a failure, but a, talk about a questioning your confidence. Like mm-hmm. basically everyone is saying this guy's a freaking moron. Like that's how I read it. What, what keeps you sane at that point? Is it, are you going to, are you starting to go to a management coach? Are you talking with some mentors? Are you talking with Greg? So I wish, I wish I had had a coach. I, I have since 2016, I've had an executive coach and I was, I did, I had neither the I just didn't know that was a thing. I probably wasn't self-aware enough to know I needed one, but whatever. I should have had a coach then. Um, I did not. Um, Greg was incredibly supportive. I think, I think Greg knew the Game of Thrones that was happening that I, so I think like, in fact, I, re- I remember calling him to telling him about one person's departure and he got on video. And before I even could say the words, cause he, this, the executive had also told him, he said, the hits just keep on coming. Like before I even like he, so, and I think he knew he's like, look, here are four people, all of whom have more tenure than Sam. They're older than Sam. They have more corporate pedigree than Sam. Um, and I'm telling them all to report to Sam. Yeah. Like, I think he knew in retro, I I think he knew at the time they were all going to leave. But so in a way he sees something in you you know, that is really special. And, and ultimately just to get this out there for people listening, you go on, you know, with, and this, and take the company public, like, like, like he, this, this is just this trajectory that is really incredible, but it's a, the, but at each step, it's the largest company you've run and you go way beyond your one year earnout with OK Cupid and, and the kind of obligations that you thought you had to this organization when you started. So that, that's just, I don't know, there's a lot of unique things that occur in that period. And would you say that you and Greg have a unique relationship and and that sort of fuels you through? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it goes to the relationship we had. I also think, you, you know, at that moment in time, the match business was plateauing. Mm-hmm. They did not have a mobile. This is 2012. They didn't have a mobile app. They were still called Match.com. Mm-hmm. Like they, I think, I think Greg realized that he needed someone that would be more shake, shake it up more versus business as usual. This is like a wartime peacetime thing. I think yeah. we're like, yeah. I think he's like, yeah. If I want the peacetime CEO, if things are just going great. I think he picks one of the other four. Um, but I think he's like, we got to figure out the next act for this company. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know we were going to start Tinder or whatever, but it turns out given that we launched Tinder, um, I would argue that having an, a founder entrepreneur in that seat, mm-hmm. being able to appreciate what Tinder was, work with the Tinder team, um, and build Tinder into what it be, help build Tinder into what it became. I think it ended like that was a very lucky, obviously, uh, happening. Um, but I think he correctly diagnosed. 
I'd rather have someone who is going to shake things up, bring a different perspective, be innovative, change the culture versus, hey, here's an exec who's been here for six years or two years or mm -hmm. one year, whatever, um, who has this corporate pedigree, who will kind of maintain us down this path. And, and he sees this in, I'm curious. Okay. So he sees this in you because he, you know, because he's empowering you into these roles and whatnot, but, um, you know, this, something we haven't touched on yet is that this area, this industry deals with people's romance, deals with people's personal lives, um, is not without controversy. There's like, there's been a lot of controversy over are some yeah. of these companies, uh, people either think Tinder and some of these companies are amazing idea or ruining society. I mean, people have all these extremely polarizing opinions. Um, then there's a lot of things that happen interestingly with, you know, Tinder and, and the, the CEO of that is like quite a personality. So what is, I guess what I'm getting to is what is it about, you know, you're talking about your pregnant wife and you're having you know, little kids and you're family oriented and all this stuff like, but what is it about your personality that allows you to uh, succeed and lead in this industry, which I guess I'm painting from the outside is like quite controversial and like the, the decisions are non-obvious and I don't know what makes you a great wartime kind of executive, like try to I diagnose think... yourself. <laughs> no, that's tough. I mean, I think on, on the sort of on the industry side, I think it's so many people come into the dating category um, out of their own frustration and their own beliefs about dating. We came at it as, you know, four Harvard math majors. So if we looked at this really as like an engineering mm -hmm. product problem. And so I think often you can bring your own highly idiosyncratic needs to a product. And I think we never did that. We were like, just mm -hmm. what's the right product to build? I think in terms of the wartime thing, um, I think I think founders in particular have to be so, there's so much sobriety, I think. Like, yes, you always are selling the dream, but internally, mm -hmm. you know that it's either deliver the result or die. Like yeah. you're, you, will just, you will be run out of money. And so I think there's like, and a, an ability to make maybe tougher decisions more quickly because you're just like, I don't have time for the like, and by the way, this was a little bit, there was one thing I tried to get done that I failed at getting done because I didn't get enough internal buy-in and blah, blah, blah. I was, just like, mm -hmm. I was just like, this is the right decision. Let's go do it. And I didn't have enough support internally. And so we didn't get that done. But um, I do think like making decisions, looking at data sort of dispassionately and just saying mm -hmm. like, we have to do the right decision here. You know, we launched a, we agreed to pay, you know, to, to launch an app. We decided to launch an app and pay Apple 30% of our, I mean, to this day, no company has made more money. If you look at the online dating industry, Match has made the most money and then Apple has made the second most money mm. off mm. online dating just from their 30% take on mm. our apps, you know, mm. like, and we decided to do that and we decided to do it in one meeting. Like it was a very the previous management team debated for years and we were like, we're just going to do it. We're going to drop the .com from match.com. Like that was a decision we like, I was like, I had to line out. It was one of the most controversial decisions I made. I had to line out literally people outside of my office being like, you can't do that. I'm curious what you are hearing, Ryan, because I'm like as a different brain hearing the same information, but what I'm hearing is you kept your inner entrepreneurial, like super pragmatism alive through becoming an executive at a large company that ultimately went public 
which I think is only possible because I was the CEO and I had a supportive chairman. Like I think mm -hmm. in a world where you're like the COO and your CEO is like a corporate person, mm -hmm. I think that probably gets beaten out of you. But like mm -hmm. there was no one to stop me. That helps. <laughs> yeah. You had built the trust in the relationship with Greg ahead of time. I know it's so easy when you're listening to other people's stories to oversimplify or draw weird conclusions, but one really fascinating takeaway for me here is that this relationship with this person who kind of reams you out on a Friday uh, and and uh, and that you call on a, on a Saturday, but but who is really a tangential person in your story, ends up becoming a really strong partnership and together. You know, uh, there's public companies created and, and billions of dollars in enterprise value. I just want to use you yep. know, billions with a B uh, of dollars of enterprise value created. And then millions and millions of people finding, you know, their romantic partners and all sorts of stuff. So it's like a, it's just a powerful reminder of the power of individual relationships in business, uh, even as companies scale. For me, that's just something that mm. from this episode, mm -hmm. I find really powerful. And that's not to take any value away from your relationship with your co-founders no, and how, how special no, no. that was. But but there's just this like, sometimes just this one-on-one, -on -one, like two people get a lot done um, is well, an incredible thing to remember. Yeah. And, and, and I might even take it a step further, which is like almost all of the important things that happened in the story are relationship driven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was the founder relationship that you know, pushed us down a certain path. It was then the relationship I built with Greg. It was like a lot of this stuff that is. And the relationship you had with Jessica. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So yeah. If, if you don't want to get on the plane, there are some husbands that would not have gotten on that plane. It's a month early. It's probably a false alarm. You sign that thing. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us today, Sam. And, you know, and truly like not just lip service, like, it is just so easy when you're a doer, like just hearing you talk, like you're just a doer, you just get things done, you love to build things, you love to do things, that it's like water to you. You're a fish, you're swimming in the water, the world is the water, you're getting things done. Um, but but that is, it's just, it's actually just so rare. And that's why we love to have people like yourself on the podcast, because um, everyone else in the world who aspires to do things, um, it's just so helpful to actually hear Mm. how the people who do things talk and how they really think about it because it's so easy to imagine it and imagine that someone sat down and they made a really complicated business plan and like they oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. and then lightning struck them and they had an idea and like just they, they don't actually realize that the real real um life of it is just you get up in the morning you do more stuff you get up in the morning you do yep. more stuff you find another person who inspires you you ask them to work with you like the real doing is just it's just every day you do it it's um, every so, day putting one foot in front of the other and yeah and if you just do it enough days <laughs> so that is what i really love about uh, your story and, and your willingness to share it Oh, thank you. Sam, I also just, I really appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable throughout it and, and like talk about when you didn't have the answer and, and talk about some mistakes and, and especially just some of the feelings you had throughout it. So thank you so much for opening up about that. Yeah, yeah we really appreciate your time too. I know that for someone who does spend a lot of time doing things and whatnot, it's not always easy to carve out time. So, so just Perfect. appreciative of no, that as great. well. Um, and thanks for Ryan for, for reaching out to you. I know that uh, you yeah, have two thank you. I, I'm, I'm just excited. I made the cut. I'm excited to, uh, <laughs> I'm excited to both hear this, but also, um, I'm excited to, you know, be a podcast listener now. Yeah. Thank Amazing. You, yeah. 
Thank you so much. My friend. Have a good rest of your day. Okay.